A story I've told once before in teaching regards my late parents whom I love very dearly. When I was in my early adolescence, they brought a catalog in the autumn to my younger sister and myself, and they asked each of us to pick out a necklace, a little pendant, or a ring, which we might enjoy wearing, emblematic of their love for us. So that as we each were leaving childhood toward becoming young adults, we had that conscious signature of their love in a modest piece of jewelry. It was a wholesale cell catalog, which my father had found from a colleague of his who lived in Long Island, east of New York City. It was filled with thousands of items, and I sat and quietly looked late at night after everyone was asleep, and then I sat with my sister, and we looked together. And my sister chose a birthstone, a ring with, with her birthstone, <clears throat> and I chose a little, very simple, 10-carat gold ring with two small cultured pearls. It was representative of my parents to me, my mother and my father, my father and my mother. And it was representative of a perfection of the universe to me. And as I had quietly regarded that catalog, and I did it several evenings to make sure that I was present with the material world, I was aware that there was no stone from the earth, which meant as much to me as the pearls God had formed through my father and my mother. <clears throat> and I was very contemplatively present with the dimensions of the depth of their love for God, for themselves, for one another, for each of their four children. And in receiving that love from them, it was the only item I found which I felt expressed that. And they sat down with me at one point and asked me, are you sure you wouldn't like sort of a finer piece, meaning a piece that might cost twice as much money? And th these were not expensive items. I'm speaking, and for people all over the world, one of my rings like this might be a month of food for a family. In another area, my ring might only have paid for a taxi ride from one borough of their city to another. So it's a relative quality that we have. What is called a frame of reference is the phrase I'll use in English for this retreat course. So in the frame of reference, they were making sure that I didn't want to pick something that was possible for my father, who was on a very moderate educator's salary. And I spent another evening looking again, very quietly, and I especially looked at uh, small ruby stones because my father's mother had given me a child's ring when I was a very little girl with a, with a ruby in it, which has always been emblematic to me of the symbol from several world religious traditions of the heart and soul when a woman is attuned to the divine. So I have no rubies on my body. I breathe here and speak to you today, intimately, tenderly, courageously, 
all of us together upon the earth, toward that one who created the ruby, which resides in the mantle of our earth, fire at its center, spinning elliptically through the Milky Way, several planets out in our solar system from the sun, and all the rubies of the world praise that creator, as did my grandmother, and threw the cells of her body into my father, and from my grandfather, William Charles Hinn, into my father, and then into me. Here I am speaking, almost seven decades after my birth, about that one, so mysterious, a perfection of love in the ruby, in the ocean, in the atmosphere, in your breath and heart and soul and in mine. How shall that meet? How shall the mystery of mysteries meet among us, through us, within each of us, together and alone and together and alone? And that's what my pearl ring symbolized to me. So there was no possession I could ask for beyond the love my parents composed in their conception of me, birthing of me, raising of me, their aspiration, which will continue as long as there is breath in this body of their daughter. A pearl of God they are, my late mother, my late father. And all I really wish for is that that mystery be revered, honored, respected, regarded, and embodied. So this is the nature of the spring retreat for those in the autumn, in the southern hemisphere, it's the autumn retreat. And of course, at other times of the year, after we've composed it in these 10 days, it could be at any time of the year, we undergo the thoughtfulness and the heartfulness and the liveliness of practicing in prayer and life the embodiment of the principles of this retreat. So what I want us to address, I'm going to use a word that is very common right now and very politically charged and very humanly charged into separation. The word reparation. One friend will say to me, well, you know, it's just time for somebody to make reparations. One gentleman had a conversation with me about the Civil War of the United States, which ended in 1865. We know the reparations are still not adequately made. This was an Indo-European man, a man of Caucasian British descent. So we talked about it for an evening. He felt that it had just never really been worked out between the northern and southern states and the British and the Europeans and just went on. And I asked, well, how shall we live together? Should everybody just go away from each other and declare their own nation states? Like, what is the solution? And he had no idea. He just felt it was a disturbance. And so my perception would be that no matter what the mystery of God is, 
we, we like to have it be disturbed because our ego feels very real then. If we have friction with the absolute, if we have a temperamental reaction against the ecstatic unified grace that is that great one we call God, if we have that reaction, <clears throat> we feel real. You know, I'm here and I demand or I want or this is what I think. And we feel that we exist as an individual ego, an ego personality, and then we start to cause what we each want. I would like this. I would like that. Well, I want that. Well, I don't want that. And so when we let that go and we are receptive to another human being, we experience the quality in the other being that is either with us watching a sunset and we turn and regard one another and have unity in diversity, oneness, and yet the two of us, yet oneness. Or we are irritated, they're sitting so long at the sunset, when are they going to be finished? Or, you know, I just can't be bothered to go look at a sunset with them. I mean, they really bother me. Or they just don't show up, they sort of ghost us and we feel neglected. And so <clears throat> what occurs in the concept of reparation is something I want us to explore so that we actually create this because it does exist. And when it exists, the space between the two pearls and the ring given to me by my parents is where God dwells. I wore that ring for many years and then I had not been aware, I've talked about this in one other course, I, I was not aware of how it would damage the pearls over time. And so after wearing it for many years, I realized that the pearls were damaged and couldn't be repaired. And they couldn't really be replaced easily. Uh, they weren't in sort of an average size that fits into the way the ring was so simply constructed. <clears throat> and so I let it go. And I wear a ring now that has a space in it. It's, it's, a, it's a steel ring from Switzerland. And it has um, three bands, and then the the bands are open at the edges, so it's like a U-shaped ring that fits over my ring finger. And there's a space where the normal gemstone would be, the normal engagement ring, the normal ring of a birthday, the normal ring of an honoring. What is there? Well, my living prayer is there all the pearls of every moment of my life. Who could possess those? Well, the ecstasy of God among us all, as holy family, is that pearl. And you feel what happens when we turn our attention in this one direction. Most of us are taught from conception and birth on to protect our lives because someone there might threaten them. It's a correct understanding. However, it's not a complete understanding. And so we make our way up the food chain of how much we possess and don't possess and what education we have and don't have and what work we do and don't have and how much physical beauty and prowess and strength, athleticism, we have. 
We compare notes with other beings. What neighborhood do you live in? Where are you from? What do you do? And we assess that the demarcation of terrain on this lower level that is physical and can be partially projected out with feelings and electromagnetic energy that constitutes our aura and the fields of communication we use and telephones and Wi-Fi and internet and satellites, radar. And then we go out to thought. And then we go out to causation. <clears throat> and then we don't know what to do. And then what? I go, well, then. Then the second attention, the attention to the inner worlds begins. Oh, what's there, I say? God? What's that? Well, the great mystery through which we practice oneness. Always. Everywhere. The physical body always follows that. When we allow that respectful alignment, the heart and soul know what to do. We are confused momentarily because we perceive that we're humble in that. Nothing special on an electromagnetic charge. Not identified with the part of us that was conceived and born and will die, although that part of us is our incarnation and we are responsible for that, yet we are responsible for that in God and we are responsible to that in each other. So when our attention turns to the divine and then ourselves as an instrument of the divine, this is where I would like our work to be in the spring incarnate in the spring retreat. Our incarnation turns toward the concept of reparations with God. Oh, I was born. What in my ancestry is not yet repatriated into God? This is the origin of the word. It goes back to the Latin root to bring back oneself to one's country, to repatriate. Well, in a sense of origin, what would that be? I can trace parts of my family ancestry back to the 14th century in several nations. And what did those ancestors experience? What harm did they endure? What beauty did they cause? What beauty did they endure? What harm did they cause? If I am surrendered into the absolute, into a sense of a sacred purpose for which my incarnation exists, every moment and breath I honorably express my intention for you to be fulfilled in God and for me to be fulfilled in God beside you. We are those two pearls on my parents' pearl ring for me. We are at the young adolescence of the mature life that is our life as a human being, a collective body of people, a universal body globally. And then 
our hearts and souls elegantly and nobly participate in the purpose for which all of us were created together, collectively, in different groups, and individually. And we are repatriated back into heaven on earth through us all. This is the beloved community. For me, there is no other. Where would I go? How would I possibly leave the reality? So if one would bring one's attention to the divine and allow yourself the manner of your ancestral and personal prayer and aspiration and ask the divine for protection, guidance, blessing, well-being in all ways, and then go forward. One can then treat the vessel of one's incarnation as the instrument of that great peace and begin to return, be repatriated to the kingdom of heaven on earth and become a noble, kind, courageous, stoic, and virtuous example for all beings for the sake of all of our ancestors and toward the holy family that is all of humankind from this present moment into the future.